Hey guys, it's Trey from All Sports Best. Just want to say thank you so much for checking out the podcast. Today's guest is really cool because he has big league experience in a way that's unconventional, in a way that a lot of people haven't been able to do. Only a handful of people have had the chance to do what he's done. I uh, just wanted to say a big shout out to Torque Sports for making this interview possible, linking us together and being able to get this interview with Mickey Janice. And I think it's really a special one you guys are going to enjoy. But shout out Torque Sports. You can follow them on all social media platforms. Just look up at Torque Sports, T-O-R-Q Sports. All right, guys, let's get into it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to All Sports Best, the podcast. I'm Trey Gonzalez, your host, and today I have a very special guest on, and I got so many questions to ask this guy because he uh, does something that I could never get away with. He does it for a living, which is incredible. Um, his name is Mickey Janice, pitched for the Baltimore Orioles, currently pitching for the High Point Rockers, and uh, I just want to dive into his brain, but Mickey, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, excited to be on. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Okay, so I kind of want to start off with like the origin story of the as a knuckleball pitcher because I told you off this off the air. I was in high school, threw knuckleballs every now and again, uh, just as like a side weapon or whatever. Get to college, and I I'm like, oh yeah, I can throw a knuckleball. They're like, that's fine, but you're not using that. Did you ever run into that to start off your career? Just like, uh, you know, no, we don't except knuckleballs and you're you had to convince somebody yeah a little bit um i mean my uh my knuckleball days kind of started out the same i was about 13 12 13 14 years old and uh so i was special on tim wakefield hmm. and um i kind of messed around with it before that but i had thrown it with three fingers and then i saw this special on him and i switched to two fingers and I went out the next day at my baseball practice and just let it rip, and it was nasty. And um, <laughs> ever since then, I just kind of, like, kept it, you know, at the end of my throwing program. Like, I would just throw, like, 10, 10 15 knuckleballs to my catch partner, whoever it was. Probably hated me. Um, but, um, but yeah, that's how it kind of all started. And then um, growing up, you know, getting older and – in high school, pretty much every coach that I ever had on every team, like pitching coach or head coach, whoever it was, like I always kind of mentioned like, hey, well, how do you guys feel about a knuckleball? Like I got a pretty good one and that type of thing. And it was always like, you know, that's that's something that you use as a last resort. And there were times when I would like mess around with it, throw it once or twice a game and at certain times, college summer ball couple of times in high school but nothing nothing really serious but um like I said I always knew I had a good one so even when I got drafted by the Rays I kind of mentioned it to them that I had one and um it didn't work out with them obviously but um but yeah then I just kind of made the switch on my own once I got released from the Rays okay so I did not. I didn't know it was that late in the game that you decided. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and give it a shot. I figured it was kind of something that happened as as you were getting drafted. So this was something that happened almost as a reinvention of yourself. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I um, 
yeah, I had played two years with the Rays. I was drafted as a conventional pitcher, mm-hmm. pretty solid college career. Um, nothing spectacular, but uh, senior draft, 44th round by the Rays and played two years with them. And then when I got released, I just kind of looked at myself as like, you know, I was an average right-handed pitcher, 88, 92, sinker, slider, changeup. Um, put up decent numbers um, ERA-wise in, in two years in the minor leagues, but at the lower levels. And just kind of looked at it as like, if I'm going to keep going, like, I got to do something that's different than everybody else because I'm five foot nine, throwing 90 miles an hour really isn't anything to catch anybody's eyes. So I switched the knuckleball on my own going into independent ball. Wow. Okay. Interesting. And and I remember just a second ago, you said that when you were throwing knuckleballs early on in your career, even just messing around that you, that, that catchers hated it. Uh, maybe bullpen catchers. Did you run into that as you were coming up again through, uh, you know, making it back to the big leagues, just guys going, you know what, dude, why, why do you have to be like this? Cause your knuckleball moves insane. The laces don't move half the time. So it's kind of a hard thing to get around. If, if you're a catcher, you're just not used to it. Your brain almost has to adjust. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a, a different feel for the catcher. And um, it's not so much the catchers that hate it. It's more of the like catch partners where I'm like, I always have to play catch for the catcher because most pitchers are like, yeah, I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I've hit my fair share of pitchers in the chest and, Ooh. um, and things like that. So we're off a knee and quad, you know, so things like that. So I've always just kind of, um, um, just thrown to catchers pretty much my, uh, exclusive, my whole career. Yeah. Pretty much once I started throwing knuckleballs, um, there's been a few, like I always say, if a pitcher wants to play catch with me, it's, it's on them, but, um, yeah, it's pretty much the catcher's way to go. And as long (laughs) as they embrace it, they've, they've done uh they've done pretty well but you really do have to embrace it i think the only hiccup i had with the catcher was the second year i was trying to throw the knuckleball in 2013 i got traded to the atlantic league from the frontier league and the catcher there just didn't want to deal with it like with guys on base or anything and i'm like sitting there like i'm like this is what I throw. This is what like, I do. You not, just tell me not to throw like my pitch, you know, <laughs> did I, I didn't, I mean, I didn't throw it a hundred percent of the time that, you know, I was more of like 50, 50, but it's like, you know, it's like, okay, let's, you know, take away somebody who throws 50% sliders. It's like, okay, well, I don't want to throw your, your sliders. Like, no, you can't, I know you can't catch it, but you're going to have to learn because that's what I throw. Like, you know, did you get introduced to specialty gloves? For your catchers, did they have to use bigger gloves? I've heard that is one of the ways to kind of attack that. Yeah, I think it's the only way to attack it. Mm -hmm. Um, I always tell my catchers, you know, whatever they feel comfortable with um, as far as catching with it. But, you know, they might go like, oh, you know what, I'm going to use my own glove the first game. And then after, like, three drop third strikes, they're like, you know what, big gloves probably the way to go. (laughs) You know, it's like. There's the reason why guys in the in the major league that have thrown knuckleballs like have always used the big catcher's mitt. Or I think uh, some guys, I think it was more with guys who threw the slower version of a knuckleball, kind of like Tim Wakefield, where they might use like a first baseman's mitt. 
but they do have Rawlings does have that exclusive um, uh, knuckleball catcher's mitt. People think it's a softball catcher's mitt, but it is actually a knuckleball catcher's mitt. Wow, that's pretty cool. So you said Tim Wakefield threw through the slow knuckleball. I remember seeing it. It's kind of a loopier one. It dances as it gets there. I mean, countless videos. And uh, what about what is your average uh, velocity on on your on your knuckleball? I'd say pretty consistently, like seventy five to seventy eight. Wow, is my like if I need a strike, like that's the speed I go to. You know. Okay. So, um, and then I can speed it up from there or slow it down depending on what I want to do with it. And you can't just say, okay, right now I need to hit that outside, you know, the outside corner. I'm going to make that, this knuckleball dance in a certain way to catch that corner. You kind of just throw it in the general vicinity and let it do its thing. Right. Or, or is there a, a science or a something that you've come to figure out that we don't know? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely like uh, a feel. It's really hard to explain because, you know, it's not really like like fastball up and in. You know, it's like yeah. I know the feel of where I want to throw it at this location. Now, when I release it, it's still going to have a mind of its own, but I have a general idea of like when I'm aiming for this location, I kind of know what it's going to do. Yeah. Or when it, when I know it's going to this location, I know what it's going to do. Or like, oh, and two, I'm going to try and throw a, a harder knuckleball around like 81, 82 at the top of the zone and see if it kind of takes off. And, you know, so I kind of know just from the feel of throwing them so much that I have an idea of what, what and where it's going to go or move. But again, most of the time I know what it's going to do. And then other times it still just like takes off on its own. Sure. So how does life differ as a knuckleball pitcher? You're in the big leagues with the Baltimore Orioles. I mean, is it all the same? Do you have different workouts? Is it, uh, I mean, I'd imagine you're basically, you know, you're another pitcher, but what is the treatment like or coaching difference? Not as much attention to you because you kind of do your own thing. Anything like those kinds of things? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say, like, as far as, like you said, like, being another pitcher, it's like, yeah, I've, I have, like, the same type of workouts as everybody else, you know, and, and that type of thing. I think the biggest thing is just, like, the coaching aspect of it because, like, this day and age with analytics, like, there's no analytics that track knuckleball. Like, it is – it breaks the system, like, it has oh, yeah. no idea what I'm throwing. It has no idea how to, how it moves. It, there's no way to properly track it. So I think that's one of the reasons why you don't see many of, of us th at this day and age is because everything's about like throwing your forcing fastball at the top of the zone, throw spin rate, you know, yeah. all these things. And then you get a knuckleball and they're like, I have no idea what to do with this. So we're just not going to deal with it. You know <laughs> And that's how some organizations are. But luckily I was with the Orioles last year and had good, good uh, coaching staff that embraced it. And, you know, although they, a lot of them didn't or had never coached a knuckleball pitcher before, they tried to understand what I was trying to do with it. Cause there is a pitching aspect to it. Like, yeah, there are times when you're just like, it's moving so much. I'm just trying to throw it 
over the plate and hopefully they swing because I don't know if it's going to be a strike or ball or whatever. Yeah. You know, there's days like that, but there is a pitching aspect to it where you're changing speeds with it. You know, you're trying to hit certain locations and certain counts to get hitters to chase, you know, to induce that weak contact. So um, I thought that's what they did really well with me is from the first day I got there, they were like, okay, like, what are you trying to do with the knuckleball? You know, the first uh, phone call I ever had with Chris Holt, who's the big league pitching coach. Um, he was the he was the pitching coordinator at the time, but became the major league pitching coach. Hmm. But he just asked those questions like, what are you trying to do? Like, why are you trying to do this? Like, where are you trying to throw it? Like, give me, like, help me out. So eventually I can help you out if I see something, you know, that type of thing. Wow. And, um, um here in high point i think that's what um has helped me a lot too because our pitching coach is frank viola who i had with the mets organization for a year and his son actually um dabbled with the knuckleball when he was in the minor leagues um and had a pretty good one so frank kind of understands a little bit of like what i'm going through at certain times when it's like i don't know how to throw a strike today because it's moving so much and then other days it's like okay well you need your mechanics are off just a tad or, you know, this and that. So he, he has a little bit of better feel than I'd say most pitching coaches towards the knuckleball. Sure. No, absolutely. It's just funny to me that, you know, that's kind of one of the issues it's moving too much when a lot of guys are looking for that movement. Can I get an extra inch, two inches on this breaking pitch? Your knuckleball is almost more effective when it's in between too much movement and not enough. Um, but I'd imagine that you're always kind of like the talk of, of warming up and stuff like that. When guys are kind of throwing knuckleballs, you can show them up. Do you ever throw a knuckleball to an unsuspecting person <laughs> or is that just too much? No, I, I try not to. I definitely <laughs> don't want to, um, you know, mess around with that. Cause yeah. it is, um, I mean, it's even hard to catch when you're expecting it, obviously. Sure. So, um, I remember warming up before a game last year and I usually tell our catcher who's ever catching me like um, a mask and a cup, like anything else, like you protect your face and protect your, (laughs) your manhood basically. Like just because there's been too many times where, um, you know, guys take it off the mask or whatever. And, and one time warming up um, just in the outfield before the game, and um, I threw a knuckleball from like 120 feet away, just normal routine. And my catcher wasn't wearing a mask and it moved late and hit him right in the forehead Ooh. right before the game. And me and my pitching coach looked at each other like, uh Oh, and he just, he walked it off and he's like, Oh, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> we just looked at each other like, all right. Well, all right. We'll but, start the yeah. game. Yeah. Wow. Any broken fingers or anything like that? I've, I've seen that too. You never had to deal well, with I've that. I've gotten a couple, gotten a couple thumbs. Yeah. Um, over the years, so usually tell guys to wear the thumb guard too, just to protect that. So I think one of the ways, first off, we came in contact thanks to uh, a post that was done by Torque Sports, um, and they put us in a connection, which is awesome. Uh, so a big thanks and a big shout out to Torque Sports for that. Um, but they posted up the viral video that has had countless. Um, interactions in and had countless encounters with viral 
um, numbers, right? I mean, you throw a knuckleball that it looks like the laces didn't move at all, maybe half an inch or maybe half a rotation, but they caught you on camera and they did a keyframe on the ball itself. Did you have any hand in that? Did you, you know, say, hey, can you guys record this for me and just kind of make this video? Or did it just kind of pop out and you were viral? Um, no, it, uh, I pitched the night before and the next day just came to, came to the complex. It was a spring training game and came to the complex like normal day. Um, went out to the field, stretch, throw, do our practice, whatever we do, you know, in spring training. Yeah. Come, come back in the clubhouse and we're sitting there and I grabbed my phone and look at it and I was like, 800 new follows like what 300 retweets like my phone was just blowing up had messages from friends like all these people and i'm like what in the world just happened and all of a sudden like one of my buddies like in the locker room was, like sitting there like looking at the tv and he goes hey mickey you're on espn right now and i like look up and then it was like see this video that the Orioles took and it was like pretty cool video but it was just like my phone was blowing up for two days straight from everybody that's crazy so it was crazy is that good yeah. or bad like did it did it help you in your career or help in some other form that you know maybe we don't see after I mean it just hits? just got me some positive you know positive uh notoriety or whatever you know it was uh it was just a cool, cool video. Like, I mean, I don't think it really meant it. Like, um, helped me like shoot up to AAA or you know get an opportunity in the big leagues. Like, that was all depending on how I pitched in spring training and things like that. But I mean, it just got you know positive feedback from everybody, and you know everybody came up to me after that. I was like, dude, Mickey, sweet video. Like, that was awesome. Or something. <laughs> Like, great job yeah i literally like had nothing to do with it i just did the pitch <laughs> but yeah you know it was it was pretty cool like i met the guy who did the video the next day and like uh he was just like dude i've got, he probably got more like stuff out of it positive feedback from it than like i did like obviously it was positive for me just getting put on espn and everybody got to see it and you know um yeah pretty much everybody loves a knuckleball so it's like even if I'm not successful, it's just like everybody loves watching it. So it's because it's so different. But um, I know the cameraman who took the video got a lot of positive feedback and everybody was like hitting him up on social media. And he was just like so thankful. And he was like so overwhelmed with everything. He was just like, oh, my God, I never expected this. And I was like, honestly, like I've seen Stephen Wright and R.A. Dickey and when they throw like – awesome knuckleballs it's like everybody shows it because again it's so different yeah. not everybody sees it so i was like i told him i was like i knew if somebody ever took a video of me like that like it was probably going to happen but this video was pretty cool because you've never seen it from the side traveling the whole way to home plate the cameras that they have nowadays are just unbelievable like that True. you know usually you see it from the center field camera and it's just one shot but having it in the frame the entire time when it's traveling and being able to like slow it down and all that, like they did was was pretty awesome. Yeah, seriously. It really was. Um, all right. So what would you say, uh, are your goals for this year? You said you're in the Atlantic league. Of 
course, you're playing for the High Point Rockers. I'd like to ask you more about that as well, but what are your goals uh, for the rest of this season and moving forward? Um, I mean, it's just like anybody else in the league is just, you know, put up, finish strong, put up good numbers. we got about a month left, possibly make the playoffs, you know, give it a good run at the end of the season and and hopefully get a get an opportunity in either winter ball or affiliated ball next next season you know I'm I still want to pitch I still believe I can pitch in the major leagues and you know again it's just finding an organization that truly believes in the knuckleball and I know like my debut last year wasn't very successful as like a statistical standpoint or like even watching it you know but you know my first two innings were pretty solid and then you know ran out of gas the last two innings but um you know, if everybody only got one shot in the big leagues, then, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's just um, something that I'm trying to get back to up there and, you know, just trying to find an organization that, that believes there's still value in the knuckleball. Do you feel like some of those organizations had some legends on their teams, like maybe the Blue Jays, Mets, uh, Red Sox because of Tim Wakefield and R.A. Dickey before you? Are those some some of the teams that maybe you're eyeballing a little bit? Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely teams that have had success <clears throat> with knuckleballs in the past. Um, you know, it, but it's but even some of those teams have changed so much from the front office standpoint. Like from what I heard, the Orioles called me because someone in their front office loved the knuckleball, so that's mm. why they gave me an opportunity. So from that's from what somebody told me. I don't know who it was, but, um, you know, and, and that's all you can really ask for is just somebody to, to believe in you, to, to push you along. <clears throat> and I know, um, the Mets, when they signed me out of independent ball, they, their pitching coordinator had worked personally with R.A. Dickey and talked to him about his path and how he developed and what he learned to throw and everything. So he learned from R.A. Dickey and then, <clears throat> You know, I was 27 at the time, I think, when I signed with them. So he wanted to – he saw me as being, like, one of the very few who threw knuckleball, and he liked those type of pitchers who did things different. So he wanted to be like, hey, like, here's another knuckleball or a younger one. Maybe we can make him into the, you know, R.A. Dickey and be successful with all these guys throwing. You know, that was when DeGrom and – Cindergaard and Steven Matz and Zach Wheeler were all with the Mets and these guys were all throwing and Matt Harvey, they were all throwing, you know, upper nineties and yeah, you know, they thought like, you know, maybe this guy can be a knuckleballer in between all these guys and change it up. But um so he was the pitching coordinator there and he ended up having some health issues. So things changed with the front office there. They went a different way, got an opportunity with the Orioles. You know, now I'm looking for another organization. Maybe it is the Red Sox or Blue Jays or Dodgers or teams who have had successful knuckleballers in the past, or maybe it's just some random, some different organization. Maybe it's overseas in, in Japan or, yeah. you know, I'm kind of looking open for anything at this point sure. right now. So. so in the case that the Orioles brought you up, it, it almost feels like maybe it, it was the good side of business because we always talk about, sports being a business and and guys getting traded on a whim. You don't know that you're leaving, you know, those kinds of things happen. 
in this case, somebody brought you up. That was a, almost a business move because somebody liked that idea, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, cool. like they gave, I think they gave me an opportunity and then, you know, somebody said like, we like a knuckleball, like he throws it. He had a good, like I had a really good finish to 2019. They signed me in 2020 that COVID happened. So no, so I didn't get to pitch. Mm. And then they re-signed me in 2021 to give me that opportunity again. And then it's up to me, like that first half of last year, I put up some pretty good numbers where they said, all right, let's give them a shot now. And then second half, I really struggled. I was kind of feeling for everything and um, made some adjustments um, pretty much in the last, honestly, probably the last month or so, um, made some mechanical adjustments, got more consistent work on the mound here in High Point and really been kind of getting back to my twenty early 2021 form and 2019 form when I was throwing the ball really well. So I'm kind of, I'm really in a good, good place right now throwing the knuckleball. Yeah, it's good to hear. For the Atlantic League, can you tell me a little bit about kind of how that's ran? Because we talked a, a very, very uh, small amount before the podcast. You said that's where they kind of like try new things, right? So that's the league where they tried stealing first base. Uh, is that still in effect? Are there other rules that, you know, we would be interested in knowing about? Yeah. So I actually pitched in the Atlantic League in 2014 and 15, 2013, 14 and 15. And I actually got picked up out of this league by the Mets. So back here, and I actually started this year in the American Association. It was in a league I never had pitched in before. And I was a little worried about the Atlantic League because of that stolen stealing first base rule, mm-hmm. which is at any point if the catcher drops the pitch, the batter can run to first and steal first base, and it counts as a hit. And that's so, still in effect. That's still in effect. Okay. So being a knuckleballer without knowing any prior knowledge of how it was going to work in the league, I was like, I, I don't think I can deal with this because if the catcher drops a ball, like if they drop one ball an inning, that's a base runner every inning. Like if guys are going to steal first, like I thought it was going to be more of an issue for me. But since I've been here, nobody's tried to steal first base. I think that guys realize to get picked up out of this league, you got to hit and hit for real. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that the players realize that that's not real baseball as experimental as it is like trying to add more excitement. But I think even the fans, the true baseball fans realize that that's not real baseball. So from what I heard, somebody did it early in the season, stole first base on a pass ball, and he got booed. And then nobody's done it since to our team in High Point, from what I've heard. So, and since I've been I've been here, um, month and a half, almost or a month or so. Yeah. And no, I haven't seen anybody try and steal first, which is good because I had a guy actually score from second on a pass ball but the hitter didn't steal first so so it's <laughs> Interesting. Kind, of, kind of funny is that yeah. the, the base runner scored from second and it was first and second and both base runners went two bases so the guy scored from second base on a wild uh, pass ball but the base the hitter did not steal first so he had a double on a platter right there i know right <laughs> and uh 
it was actually a strike on the pitch. So that's just the part of being a knuckleballer is just, you know, as long as the umpire called it a strike, I'm, I'm okay with it. But That's pretty cool because, I mean, I knew about the dropped strike uh, or I'm sorry, the drop ball, uh, steal first base or steal at any time, I guess you could say. Um, and I just figured that guys would just take advantage of it. But then now you're now that makes a lot of sense. Obviously, you're not going to get picked up by a team that can't use that rule in their league. So you just kind of avoid that. But I mean, yeah, that's 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 definitely interesting. Are there any other rules in the league that, you know, are almost Savannah banana style? <laughs> like that one no i mean there's another rule where um if the starter doesn't go five innings the team loses the dh rule oh so then pitchers have to hit or you have to pinch hit so i've actually gotten three at bats this year as well give me the run (laughs) give me the rundown um i flew out to center popped out to first and grounded out to third so that's impressive though yeah I've, uh, When's the last time you got a real AB before that? Before those three? Uh, 2019, I hit in Double A with the the Mets. Um, so I had one year where I hit 500. I went four for eight in uh, 2018, I think. So wow. So so you're one of, so you're one of the Madison Bumgarner, uh, <laughs> Zach Granke types. It seems. I wouldn't go that far because I don't have the <laughs> pop that they have. I can I can put the bat on the ball. There's not a lot of power behind it, but mm-hmm. I can I can hit I can hit some line drives and then uh, I have one double in my career. Okay, heck yeah, that's pretty sweet. Uh, no, so you're not trying to get launch on these balls. You're just trying to get on base. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get launched. It sure. just doesn't get launched. When you go up to so you go up to the plate, I just want to get your mindset on this. But you go up to the plate, immediately in your mind has to be if I catch this barrel and it travels over this fence, how cool is this story going to be? Or do you just kind of think I'm going to swing hard because I mean some guys just go up there and just try and make contact, not try and embarrass themselves. But there's a lot of pitchers that just swing out of their shoes because what do they have to lose? Yeah. Um... So I am more of the, like, I'm going to, I'm going to ambush the first fastball I see, which is usually first pitch because as a pitcher and you see a hitter uh, and you see a pitcher coming to bat, you're like, okay, this guy can't get on base, can't sure. swing. Here comes a heater right down the middle, get ahead, 0-1, you know, 0-2 strikeout, you know, what you're really trying to do. So I just may made the uh, adjustment of like they're trying to get ahead 01 or 00 so I'm just going to ambush so I got a lot of first pitch singles um but I also have a decent eye like I've I've had a, quite a few walks um in my career and I've gotten down the other thing I was proud of is I never missed the sacrifice bunt opportunity so every bunt chance I've had I got the bunt down so always move the runner over it's a dying art right there, truly. Yeah. As long as you're not Tim Lincecum in the box, I think you're fine, right? I mean, you're just not <laughs> sitting in the back corner. I mean, the way I always looked at it is, like, it's a win-win. Like, if you go up there and you get out, like, no one cares. Like, sure. if you get up there and you put up a good battle, like, everybody's fired up. Like, oh, you know, he went, we worked 3-2 and 
you know, lined out to center field or something like that. Or mm-hmm. if you get a base hit, everybody goes nuts when a pitcher gets a base hit. <laughs> yeah. You know, obviously it's not always that exciting because, you know, most guys are hitting under a hundred, but um, you know, it's just like, it's not a big deal. It's just, you know, there's no pressure on you to get a hit. I've heard stories, different stories, and I've asked different pitchers, big league, minor league, and uh, et cetera. But do you, is it true that you can get fined on some teams for getting in the batting cage and, and, and swinging it a little bit as a, as a pitcher? I had heard that, you know, teams don't want guys to get hurt. They say, you know, you better stay out of the batting cage. Is that true? Or do you get to kind of sneak in there whenever you want? Um, I, honestly, I've never tried to go in the batting cage and I don't really <laughs> know any pitchers that really tried to either. Like there's a few times where, you know, if you get a shutout or something, you might take pitchers BP, have yeah. a little fun game with the pitchers. But I've never really met a pitcher where there's like, oh, I'm going to go sneak in the batting cage and take some hacks, you know. I just yeah. – I don't think that was really a thing, at least not with the Mets organization. Um, but, but, yeah. So. Okay. Um, one of the things I wanted to bring up was fan accounts. Have you noticed your fan accounts – where even on TikTok or um, Instagram that have your name on it, they just really enjoyed your videos. I saw one the other day, and, and it was just you throwing in the bullpen before a game, and uh, they were just like, the man's on the, on the mound, you know, just diehard fans. Have you have you noticed those uh, accounts? Um, I don't know that one, actually. It was pretty cool. Um, I have seen – I've seen one that – created an Instagram account that said, we love Nikki Janice, but that was the only one that I've ever seen. That's but, pretty cool. Um, I've seen people post about um, um, videos of me on MLB The Show. I think that's the biggest following I have is because I'm the only knuckleballer in the game. And it's actually kind of funny is when I got to high point, um, the first day our clubby comes up to me and was like, oh, I got a funny story to tell you. I was like, okay. Yeah. And they got our name plates for our lockers and the assistant clubby or technically bat, bat boy who helps out in the clubhouse, you know, he's probably like 14, 15 years old, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, he looks at my nameplate and he's like, Mickey Janice. It's like, is this the Mickey Janice? We have Mickey Janice on the team from MLB the show. Did you know he's the only knuckleballer in MLB The Show? Did you know his 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 uh, player card in MLB The Show is the worst ranked player in the game? Really? So he, yeah, which I didn't know that because I don't play MLB The Show, but he told me that, and other kids have told me that. But because I throw a knuckleball, it's still very hard to hit in the game. So people use me all the time. That is so cool. So. So anyway, our clubby comes up to me and he's like, here, here, I'll introduce you to the kid and and brings me over to this kid. And the kid was like, he goes, hey, uh, hey, Will, what were you saying about Mickey again? And the kid looked at me and he just like froze. And then he just kind of like walked away. And I was, I was just, we were just joking with him. But then I like shook his hand. And I was like, hey, nice to meet you and stuff. And <laughs> He, he didn't mean anything by it, but it's just funny that, you know, you get those reactions still. Yeah. 
I mean, to be in the game itself is really cool. Just, I mean, you could buy a, a few copies of that and have that forever. Play with your kids, you know, or whatever that is. I mean, that's just something that's always going to be there. That's pretty cool. To be the worst ranked player, though, maybe not so much. But I mean, you're in the yeah. you're in the game, though, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have much of a uh, didn't have much of a chance to build on on the one game. So I mean, it, <laughs> yeah, it happened, but but. I'm still getting used to uh, a lot more than some other guys, so that's pretty cool. That is cool. Awesome. Well, Mickey, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I seriously do appreciate it. Uh, before you go, I'd love to ask the final question. Uh, if you could turn back in time and tell your younger self something, maybe words of encouragement or advice, what would you say um, that maybe could resonate with some some other players as well? Um. I don't know. I always just tell people um, to make sure you have confidence in yourself with whatever you're doing, whether it's baseball or going to school or, you know, whatever job you have is just make sure you always believe in yourself in what you're doing, because if you don't have confidence in yourself, like how are you going to achieve um, what you want to achieve? If you want to, you know, whatever dream you might have, like if you don't believe in it, if you don't um, have confidence in yourself, then, um, then you really aren't, I don't think you're going to be too successful. And, and that's what always, um, kept me going, I think is what, um, is when I was like an independent ball and I just started throwing the knuckleball and I was like, it's very inconsistent knuckleball, but as long as it continues to develop and get better and get people out, like I truly believe that I had a major league knuckleball that I could pitch in the major leagues with it. So mm -hmm. that's what always just kind of kept me going. So um, I just always tell kids like you got to believe in yourself before anyone else can believe in you. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you being on the podcast once again, love the words of encouragement and, uh, I look forward to seeing you, uh, back in the big leagues. It's going to happen. Uh, and we're going to, you know, keep rooting for you. So Mickey, once again, thank you so much. And, uh, I'll, we'll keep in touch. All right. Awesome. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on.